The title is Changing Childhood in a Globalizing World. There's 15 minutes maximum to talk about this huge, huge subject. So I'm just going to headline some key ideas. And actually, Jackie, I'm going to start with some representations, um, some contemporary images of childhood. These are actually photographic, contemporary photographic images um, discussed by an art historian called Anne Higonet in a book called Pictures of Innocence. And what she does in that book is argue that what she looks at representations of children from the late Enlightenment period up to the present and looks at how those images as it were, represent a formation, a changing idea of what childhood is. And um, she argues that these contemporary images of the kind on the screen represent a new kind of childhood which has emerged, let's say, over the past 30 or 50 years, um, mostly in um, the well, post-industrial countries now, North America and Europe, but has a global reach because these kinds of representations, as it were, can be reproduced and appear on screens and in various forms all around the world. And a bit of advertising now, in a book available at all, all good bookshops called <laughs> The Future of Childhood, written by myself, I take up this theme and I argue that, or suggest that, uh, these con I'll read the, the quote, so, because you might not be able to see it at the back. Uh, what I say is, in these contemporary images, issues of gender, class, poverty, ethnicity, and family life are signaled and sometimes confronted. The children are diverse. They are, also, they are sometimes victims, but they are also victors. They have emotional rage. They are active, aware, judgmental and complex. And those words, active, aware, judgmental and complex, seem to me to capture something about the new forms of childhood that have emerged, let's say, in the post-Second World War period, but particularly in, let's say, the last 25 years. So the idea is new forms of childhood are emerging. Childhood is not a stable given, it's a changing entity that is impacted, shaped by all kinds of different factors. What I would argue is that no single factor shapes childhood. It's shaped in part by biology, but also by a range of factors from demography through economics, politics, and increasingly important, new socio-technical networks built around new technological possibilities, particularly those of information and communication technologies. Now, that's, if you like, the, the kind of hypothesis that, that can be challenged and, and interpreted in different kinds of ways. For example, some people have interpreted what's happening as a disappearance of childhood. I would argue it's actually a more likely to be a change in form in childhood. All of these factors are increasingly global, although in different regions and countries and areas and localities, these factors are played out in very different kinds of ways. 
So childhood continues and to, to be diverse across the globe. Um, and in fact, you could make an argument that it's becoming increasingly diverse, as well as in some ways increasingly uniform. So both of those things are going on. I've sort of suggested that you can think about five big issues that are, or factors that are shaping childhood. And they are, these are the ones I'd nominate, you might think of different ones yourself. But demographic change, diverse life circumstances, what you can call plural socialization, individualization, particularly around consumption identities, and increased surveillance and regulation of children's lives. And they're not all pointing in the different direction. The last two sometimes pull in different directions and, as it were, create new kinds of tensions. I'll whip very quickly through these, giving just some headline ideas. And starting with demographic change. Well, the key thing here is that I think we all know about, <coughs> which is in, um, in the post-industrial Western, whatever you want to call it, um, societies, we have an aging population. And that means that the proportion of children in the population is steadily di declining. And it is set, if the population estimates are right, to decline over a long period ahead of us. We know that about our own society, and it's, in, it's becoming increasingly obvious that this demographic change is a, is a key driver and issue that we have to cope with in all kinds of different ways. An interesting feature is that, perhaps less known, is that this same picture is unrolling across the world. Um, if we look at the world as a whole, according to the UN population estimates, the number of children in the, as a proportion of the population is going to decline from, let's say, 28% in 2005 to around 19% by 2050. So this is a worldwide phenomenon, or at least a worldwide projection. And it has um, interesting implications. I'll mention just two of these. The first is that in those countries that are already experiencing this demographic shift, places like the UK and North America and most of Europe, especially the Nordic countries, um, we're, we're in the midst of this. And what is emerging is an issue about what's been called generational distributional justice. That is, both the young and the older make demands for public goods. And in a society where the older are increasing in proportion and making more demand on public goods, what is going to happen to the younger members of the population? And who is going to articulate their interest in receiving, let's say, a fair share of public goods? I think that raises really important questions about children's participation. A second issue is to do with what economists have called the demographic dividend. That is, countries that have a large proportion of young people and young adults in their 
the productive part of their age span. You can argue about what that means. But nevertheless, taking that as given for the moment, those kind of countries tend to grow their GDP, become wealthier and more prosperous. Which means that if you take demographics as a key um, driver of economic development, and given the events of the last few weeks, we should all be in pretty certain about the importance of that, then what this projects is that children in the Western world are going to have a smaller, a proportionally smaller cake, as it were, to have a sharing, and children in Asia and South, in Latin America, in South America, are going to be in increasingly prosperous societies. So we're seeing some kind of prospect of some kind of global shift in the resources for the whole population, but including children. So that's just to give you the headlines of, of an emerging issue. The diversification of children's life circumstances. All teachers, particularly primary teachers, know that whereas 30 or 40 years ago it was a pretty safe thing to do in the classroom to say to a group of children, draw a picture of your family, know that this is no longer a, a safe activity because de uh, family change, all kinds of change around families means that we have a fragmented family structure, um, that we have a, a huge diversification of the kinds of family circumstances that children live in. A colleague in, uh, in Paris at the Sorbonne uh, studies this through her, an ongoing longitudinal ethnography of children's birthday parties. And one of the things that she's noticed is that in France, the child's birthday party is a key moment when re reconstituted families have to decide when, you know, when a family has maybe two or three spouses who might have been married two or three times and might have two or three sets of in-laws, they have to decide who is really in the family because that invitation to the birthday party is a marker of that moment of a, a boundary that you remain in the the family and, and other people don't. Now, you know, that diversification of life circumstances is also true of increasing inequality in, um, well, around the world, not only in the Western world, in the OECD countries, but let's take, you know, the big new economic power, China, has the highest Gini coefficient, the measure of social inequality, in the world. So new inequalities are emerging to create new um, diversifications in the life experience of children. So just to take that a step further, it means, you know, the life of the rural Chinese child is very different from the cosmopolitan professional in the new economy of the, of the cities. So diversification of children's life circumstances. Third thing is plural socialization. I think this can be put very simply. We used to have a situation where children were prime, socialized primarily in their family and in their locality. When universal education came into being, we got a secondary kind of socialization, the home and the school. 
With new information and communication technologies, we have plural socialization. With huge flows of images, of knowledge, of values, crisscrossing the world at in instantaneous time, making each child a chooser of the values and the knowledge that they wish to take on board, because arguably such is the glut of knowledge that, that you, know, you have to choose from this amazing array that new information technologies can provide. Two final issues that I'd flag up. One is individualization. This is a term that, well, in the first place, a sociologist called Beck de um, devised to describe the way in which in um, contemporary uh, economically developed societies, um, increasingly people derive their identity from consumption practices. And I would say this has had a major effect on the way in which children um, create their own identities through the kinds of consumption choices that they're encouraged to make on the market. Another aspect of that is the whole discourse of rights, which locates the child as a choosing entity with a right to choice and voice. Now that trend is perhaps partially contradicted by another trend which you can see particularly in the developed world which is towards the increasing surveillance and regulation of children. So, I mean, maybe this is in, in the UK reached a high water tide. This morning we woke up to the news that SATs for 14-year-olds are being abolished. But that whole regulatory framework around children's education with national testing and standards and so on, created a kind of new framework within which children's lives were lived and ex experienced. Another feature of this kind of surveillance might be the way, the question of children's mobility, so that one can increasingly, as a German sociologist called Helga Zayer has put it, you can increasingly see children's lives as consisting of islands of childhood spread around the urban and suburban and even rural landscape around which children are taken throughout the day by chauffeur parents traveling by car from one location to another from school to uh, from home to school to the after school club to the various kinds of activities that they um, they might pursue so there's a whole issue developed around children's mobility. So that's a very quick kind of cook's tour around some of the issues that surround contemporary childhood and which we might discuss tonight.